When I was about 11 years old, I was part of a youth group that was uh, 6th grade through 12th grade. And one of the activities that we went on, we went for a fall advance. We advanced because you don't retreat from the devil. And so we advanced and uh, we went caving. And I'm 11. And so, um, so we're caving. My dad's with me. He's trying to push me through this corkscrew situation to get me through this caving adventure trying to army crawl going on my belly and we get to the top and there's this hole that drops off that if you don't make a 90 degree turn you fall down the hole so hysterical 11 year old is just freaking out and my dad's pushing my feet trying to get me to go and just screaming like you can't stop here I honestly have no idea what the moral of that activity was or if there was one but I never went caving again Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group, where the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group, find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We have met before. My name is Jonathan Caron, and we're joined, as always, by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. What is up? If you're listening to this live, well, when it releases, it should be like summer, which means like, you know, beach body season and stuff like that. If you're listening in December, well, well sorry that it's going to be different. It's warm somewhere. Yeah, probably somewhere in the world. Actually, it's probably warm where I live because, you know, live in the desert. So it's great. I'd say it's snowing here in December, but it doesn't snow here. We just get cold rain. So yeah, wherever you're yeah. at, hope you're doing good today. Today's topic is one that I don't think we see as much today, thankfully. But if you were around church in the early to mid-2000s, you probably heard a pastor talk about his smoking hot wife. There mm. was never a G on the end of smoking. It was always smoking. Mm. And you had to imagine that there were two T's on hot. Smoking hot sometimes, wife. Sometimes they would say hot with two T's or like they would pronounce it H-A-W-T. You know, that's how you would, <laughs> you'd hear it most of the time. Um, and there, the other thing was, I don't know if you ever experienced this, Jonathan, but there would be times where the man up on stage would refer to a smoking hot wife, point to a smoking hot wife and have her stand up. Thankfully, I never was a part of that, but I have seen it happen. Oh my gosh. I mean, I remember sitting in, in a, you know, in a message one time where that happened and I naturally, I'm already naturally like kind of, I don't like awkward situations, but boy, I just, I wanted to crawl out of my skin and let my, my entire being just disappear into the ether in that moment. I, I did not want to be alive. It was one of the most awkward experiences I've ever been a part of. This got to be such a thing that it peaked in 2000, was it six, with Talladega Nights, when Will Ferrell, he, <laughs> as Ricky Bobby, was praying, and he thanked God for his wonderful meal, his two mm -hmm. beautiful sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, and That's his right. red-hot smoking wife, Carly. Mm -hmm. And if pastors weren't doing this already, they began doing it as a joke or maybe not even in on the joke moving forward for the next few years. Yep. So thankfully, once it became a pop culture meme, 
it kind of peaked somewhere in the early 2010s or so. But mm-hmm. one of the things we're about with this show is taking a look at the things we did and and seeing the residual damage that was done because those things influence us more than we realize. So today, in the next 20 or 30 minutes, we're going to look at what some of the lasting damage was and how we should approach that damage moving forward. Well, and I think one of the problems, too, think about it, though, is somebody watched uh, Talladega Nights, probably some good old boy in the South with a, you know, with his with his mountain church and preaching and stuff like that. And instead of seeing it as the mountain do. <laughs> instead of seeing it as the satire that it was, saw it as a documentary. You know what I mean? So like <laughs> they continued to you, you know, you you see the prayer and you go, yeah, that sounds about right. What's what 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 version of baby Jesus uh, do you think of? I think of the eight, you know, nine pound, ten ounce baby Jesus. That's like the type that I pray to, you know. So they're watching this and going, smoking hot wife. Heck yeah. You know what I mean? And and it just it I so that's why I don't think it peaked until after because they saw Ricky Bobby do it and it was like, that's right. And then just emulated it until it became like too much. But I still see people saying it unironically today, which is part of the problem. Thankfully, not as much, but yes. And leave it Correct. to the church to not be in on the joke. Yeah. To right. see something and not get it and take it way too seriously. Exactly. But last week at the end of the episode, Eric, when I was teasing this week, you said this was another one of those episodes where you could go no notes and just go off on. So before I get into some of the stuff on my list, I like to do the, the, the Eric, just go. So Eric, just go. Okay. So here's the worst part of the whole smoking hot wife thing. First of all, this is like, I, uh, when we talk about spiritual gifts and we talk about the type of people that God has created us to be, when I was a youth pastor, I was definitely the type of person that had zero tolerance for the moronic dudes in the youth group. I had zero tolerance for the way that people would treat women. I had zero tolerance, like during relationship series, it, it was like, no, you know, you, you just didn't want to bring your boyfriend around me because that was not, not happening. <laughs> and so the smoking hot, I remember one time I approached a couple that was in our youth group. They were like sitting in our welcome center. And this girl, she was amazing. I mean, she was like, just had a great head on her shoulders, great family, great, I mean, great personality, everything like that. And she's sitting sitting next to a guy who's wearing pajama pants with Hong Kong fooey on them. And I just walked <laughs> up to them and I looked at her and I looked at him and I saw the look in his eye, you know, that was like, I knew what he was about. And I looked at her and I was like, really? Trust me, you could do much better than this one. So if that gives you any idea of, of where, where I come from and why I can rant on these topics. Now, fast forward to the adult situation. Pastor stands up and pastor talks about being married or whatever, and then mentions his smoking hot wife. What are we as, forget the women in the audience for a second. Let's just go with the men. What are the men in the audience supposed to do? So Jonathan, pastor stands up. You and I are sitting there and he talks about his smoking hot wife. And in fact, maybe even shows a picture of her or has her stand up. Now, immediately in our minds, we have to go, yeah. Mm-hmm. she's pretty smoking hot or nah, she's a six at best, right? Like <laughs> that is not healthy at all. In fact, I saw, I'm here right? to learn like, about Jesus. And yet I am exactly. judging your wife on and, and how good looking she is that day. 
Yeah, it, what is this? A livestock option auction? Not by choice either. Out- Exa- yeah, I got force fed into an FF. Uh, what is it? FF. FFA? FFA. FFA. An FFA meeting, you know, or something like that. It's like, hey, take a look at my smoking hot wife. And you know what? The wife never looks like she enjoys it either. Let's just say that. If they ever show the camera on her, she turns around. All of a sudden, like, there's this look like, mm-hmm. you know, she's got the pursed lips kind of looking like, mm, uh, take the attention off of me right now. I don't want to be doing this. Anyway, Barnabas Piper, I got this, uh, this quote. This put it like exactly succinctly as to what I'm thinking. It says, fellas, calling your wife hot to other people is awkward. We can't agree with you because that would be really weird. We can't disagree with you because that would be really mean. And ignoring you is rude, but it's probably our best option in this case. Do you really want us trying to determine if your wife is, in fact, hot? I'm glad you think she's a 10. You should. But calling attention to her hotness doesn't honor her as much as it creates an opportunity for others to judge. So just right there, if we if we took, you know, because again, as men in the church, we tend to not care about anybody else's opinions or how it affects women in general. So let's just take it from our own selfish perspective. Guys, stop talking about your smoking hot wife in front of me because it puts me in an awkward position, okay? If I, if, at the very least, don't do that. That would be at the very least. But there's other aspects uh, as to how that affects because, women hey, as well. Real quick. Yeah. If I were to walk up to you and be like, Eric, man, your wife is smoking hot. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if you started doing that? Or uh, uh, here's one thing. I want you to try this, guys. Any any of you guys who uh, have no shame, um, next time someone's, I wish I had this gene in me to be able to do this, but next time someone talks about their smoking hot wife, I want you to like vehemently agree with them. So next, <laughs> next <laughs> pastor says, Pastor says, uh, oh, there's my smoking hot wife, Mary Beth, over there. I want you in the audience to go, amen, yeah. or woo, or something. Like, yeah, yes, sir. I know that's right. I want you to stand up and say, hell yeah. Preach, like, preacher. Seriously, like, give me a stone cold. If you agree my smoking hot, my wife's smoking hot, give me a hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. That would be awful. I mean, you people I, can't see me, but I'm crying. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. I am glad you brought that up because could you imagine? Oh my if, goodness! It, look, go up to that pastor in the in the lobby or in the whatever you call Narthax. Yeah, tell me, tell me, tell me. Not even a pastor though. Let's take this even further because we know guys who like to talk about their smoking hot wife uh, just in general. But and it goes yeah. back to this whole idea. They've seen this for 20 years now. Your yeah. neighbor, the guy at the uh, grocery store. <laughs> and I'm going home to my smoking hot wife tonight. You oh, have fun with that, gosh. sir. Like, yes, but okay. So the pa- but the pastor situation. This is what I want you to do too. At the end of that sermon, where the where the pastor says something about a smoking hot wife, I want you to go up to him afterwards and say, "Hey, pastor, I really appreciate that word that you brought." And the point that stuck out to me the most was how smoking hot your wife is. I totally <laughs> agree with that. That really like that that was a good word. The Holy Spirit convicted me in that moment and i have to i have to say 100% i agree she's a smoke show what what else are you expecting us to do when you say those things like ah oh, it's just crazy okay i could keep going but i won't cuz i know here's the thing here's what i appreciate about you is i saw i saw some pretty good responses from others and i love that you teed up that question on uh, social media because we got a lot of responses and 
I would say um, they're not they're not unique. They're the responses that I've heard from other people as well. So I'm glad that they Absolutely. were put in in these ways. So uh, so yeah, chat about that for a second. So if we can rein things in a little bit from us <laughs> being a little bit over the top here. Uh, there was the jokey side of why this was so awkward, but there were some real things that happened as a result of this. So as Eric mentioned, I put this out on TikTok and asked why, like, what did you think? What type of issues did this bring in your mind when you heard pastors talk about their smoking hot wife? And so I'm just going to put in some of the answers that we got because I want to bring other voices in the show so that it's not just two guys in their thirties talking about their experiences. So Eric, as I mentioned these, just as you hear them, what, what are your reactions? Okay. This one comes from Brandon and we kind of talked about it. It opened the door for me to look at the pastor's wife in a way that is sinful. It caused me to compare where I was or where I wanted to be. And if I didn't have a smoking hot wife, then I failed. I know exactly. Thank you, Brandon. That, that's justification. That's exactly what we're talking about. And I think that one was one of the places that for me, it it hit harder as I was growing up because as I decided to go into ministry, I was like, oh, well, I have to have a certain level of wife now. She has to be this certain type of person and dress this certain type of way and mm-hmm. carry herself this one way. And I also grew up as the grandson of a pastor. So I saw my grandmother have to be held to those standards my entire yep. life. And so, I don't know if it was with you or not, but you know, my wife was a pastor's wife for a while, you know, and she was kind of, because I was in youth ministry and everything like that. And she would talk about that too, of the comparisons of the expectations of pastor's wives and how people would talk about her and talk about other mm-hmm. pastor's wives and objectify them um, for other reasons, but also because pastors keep bringing it up. And my wife was never comfortable with the idea of it because she doesn't fit that mold. She, I, We're small town kids from the middle of nowhere. We, we don't wear the designer jeans and the nice shirts and all the those teased things. The teased out hair, that, the yeah, perms, and, like, Tammy Faye Baker eye stuff. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, my wife doesn't wear makeup at all. She's a nurse. She wakes up in the mm-hmm. morning, makes sure her hair doesn't look crazy, throws on scrubs and goes to work. Yep. Like It's not about the the look for her. So she always felt like, she didn't measure up. And so that's a huge piece of it. Yep. From James, uh, you mentioned this one. It was always weird because there's not a response that isn't awkward. I agree right. isn't great. And I disagree is even worse. Right. Exactly. And ignoring it is like awkward too. Hey, my smoking hot wife. And then crickets. That's weird. Amy said that being smoking hot was her most valuable quality to him. So imagine what that's telling young girls or even boys that, it goes back to the whole marriage expectations and what the things that we project onto women. You talk about the things that you care about, right? And you re- you reinforce the things that you keep repeating. And so when you say smoking hot white, like even if it was like 50-50, you're still talking about appearances more. And so what is your most valuable quality? It's the things that you're talking about. And here's the one I wanted to hit on the most because this was this was not on TikTok. This was directly in a direct message to me because it was probably four or five paragraphs, but it came from someone who grew up a preacher's kid who grew up around their dad always using the smoking hot phrasing. Yep. And uh, here's some things that they told me. 
The phrase, my smoking hot wife, is a major indicator for me that the marriage is absolutely unhealthy. It points to a value system that is dishonoring to the whole person that is the wife in the scenario. It teaches their children the wrong thing to look for when looking for a spouse. It made me think my dad didn't value my mom. I don't remember a time where she didn't put on a full face of makeup in the mornings. That led me to believe the only way to attract a guy was to dress up and do your hair and makeup. Mm. That's straight from the kid of a pastor who uses this. So imagine, even if you're not feeling this, it just goes to show how the words that we use and the way we talk about things have such a heavier weight than we think they do. Yeah. And it's, it's also that selfish mentality because I know, cause I've talked to people who don't think it's a big deal. Right. Um, it's just I words, can, man. They're just words. Well, I, I'm just having fun well, and it doesn't matter what I say. Well, and I confronted someone that, that I was in ministry with and, you know, we had a good relationship where this confrontation was, was appropriate in, in, in our, you know, in line with, with our relationship. And I said, man, I, I gotta say, you know, this is, and I laid it out, talked to him. He says, we're, you know, I'm just having fun. And I want people to know that I care about. And, and he's like talking about all this type of stuff. And I, and I had to repeat like, Hey, you may say that, but you're not realizing what it's doing for other people who are listening. Right. And that was, that's the big thing that I think we miss a lot of times is like, well, maybe you shouldn't get so offended. Well, maybe you shouldn't work, you know, well, but that's it is like, we need to be taking care of these things and thinking about it because we are setting that expectation from this position of authority. Um, and, and one of the things I was thinking about as you read that, that last quote uh, is think about in a position where you say, what happens when I'm no longer smoking hot? Right. Mm-hmm. And think about how many, uh, especially from men, but how many cases of infidelity and extramarital affairs that we have um, in the church. You know, and they tend to happen, oh, I don't know, once middle age starts to hit or after you have a kid. After kids. Right? And so I things like that. And so like, how does that not create these problems and create this, this, this deep wound inside of people's heads, whether it's male or female? It's like, once I don't become physically uh, desirable, quote unquote, as the world considers desirable anymore, what does that mean for a relationship? You know, if you don't see me the same way as you saw me before I had kids, you know, those sorts of things. It's it's incredibly damaging and creates a, a sense of you know, creates a sense of tr- uh, of a lack of trust. And as it says in Song of Solomon, like it's these little foxes that get into the vineyard that that are going to destroy your your marriage. So even just for a married person, I would say it's not healthy to to do these sorts of things. So we don't want to bag on the topic as that be the only thing that we do. Part of what we do, we always say we find the good, unlearn the bad. So what did we get right? What was the good intention underlying these bad jokes? I just want to point out that when we started this, there were no notes under here. (laughs) And usually it's me finding the good stuff. There was Usually it's me finding the good. And so you you put all the bad stuff and I put the good stuff. This time I was sitting there thinking when I was writing out the outline for this episode, I'm like, what the heck is good about this? I don't even yeah. know. And I so I opened the notes today to the show. And I'm like, oh, Eric, put good stuff in. All right, let's go. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's the deal. I know sometimes we do a little good cop, bad cop thing going on, but like, okay, 
What I don't want to do is I don't want to justify this. And and I think that that should be without saying, if you're uh, a listener that's listened to all of our stuff, we don't, for, for these things that are like very obviously wrong, we don't want to justify. But if I'm going to, you know, put, uh, if I'm going to put myself in a position where I'm giving the benefit of the doubt, why would somebody start this from a good spot? Okay. This does not justify what's happening. But when you talk about scripture, you know, Proverbs five talks about enjoying the, the woman of your youth, you know what I mean? And like all the sexual stuff that happens in Song of Solomon and everything like that. And I think that it's important that if you have playful banter and an active sex life, those are indicators of a thriving marriage. I'm okay. Active in a healthy way, not talking about coercion, none of that stuff. But when you are, when you are flirty with each other, when you are intimately a God honoring sex life, God honoring sex life, right? That's an indicator of a thriving marriage. Um, and when you praise your spouse, depending on what your spouse prefers, when you praise your spouse publicly, that helps build them up. And I think we've seen some of that, you know, there were some of those pieces in the TikTok comments where it was like, some of the people in, in your comment section were saying, well, I don't know, I kind of, I, I like being told I'm pretty, or I like being told this sort of thing. So there is a piece of that that's like, yes, you should be complimenting your spouse. Time and you place. Yes, you should be lifting them up publicly. Yes, you should be reinforcing those things. And I think from a from the most, if we were to take it from the like, assume the best intent of the situation. If you're a dude and you're thinking, where can I have the biggest uh, demonstration of my love for my spouse? Well, it's in front of the two to five to ten thousand people I'm talking to on a Sunday, and I'm declaring this for everybody. Okay, I get it. Right. So again, there's some good intent behind that. The execution, not so great. One last thing that I'll mention, and I'll see if you've got any other comments on this, but this is kind of a problem solution piece. What this does is it it exposes for us that the church lacks the ability to talk about sex in a healthy way. And so it creates this problem where, you know, it's like we've talked about in other sex episodes where it's like, we don't talk about sex and pleasure and relationships in a healthy way before marriage. So then all of a sudden marriage happens and you're expected to know everything and everything is supposed to be just great and, you know, whatever. But there's there's been no buildup for it or no preparation for it. And so I think there's some pieces where it's like we need to So we set, just make it awkward. Right. And we need to try and like reset the expectations and prove to everybody that Christian married sex is better than heathen not married sex and one night stands, you know, because all of our, our, you know, single atheist friends are telling us as soon as you get married, that's when sex stops. And I mean, like, I'm here to tell you that's not true. But at the same time, we don't need pastors out there bragging about their smoking hot wives just to try and make sure that everybody like still feels good about the Christian sexual ethic. So anyway, that was a little bit more problem, but I think the, the good behind that is like, we obviously want to be happy in our marriages. And so as much as I agree with your TikTok comment or Instagram commenter that says like, I feel like those public displays are the sign of an unhealthy marriage. I agree. I also think that we do want to be happy. And so there is a bit of like overcompensation of talking about how hot your wife is or how, how physically attractive you are to them that has good intent, but could also be covering up uh, dysfunction. You hit it. Okay. We, we, we well, talked about just, it. I got nothing else. That was just Eric Go 2.0. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yes. Cause I, I didn't have any good behind this one. I tried to think of it, but I hate this phrase so much that 
I could not find the good. So I'm glad that you found the good so that we could actually be true to what we want to do on this show. Um, (laughs) But one of the things that we always try to do is where do we go from here? And for the past 20 minutes or so, we've been talking about how pastors do this and church leaders do this. And I know that most of our listeners are not pastors or church leaders. We do have that group, but that's not the large majority of the show. So when we think about where do we go from here, how do we take the good and use it to move us forward? How do we approach this as we train up the next generation? Because our goal from the beginning of this show is to help train up the next generation to do things better than what we did so they don't have to go through the unlearning, the deconstruction, and the pain that so many of us either have gone through or are going through right now. Mm-hmm. So because of that goal, I think the natural way we have to look forward is by talking about how the things we say and the things we allow to be said to our kids has a much bigger impact than we realize. We kind of hit on that throughout the setup to this. And it comes down to the idea that our sons will think they have to value a smoking hot wife and that their spouse's looks are most important if we continue Mm -hmm. this idea of always introducing our wife as the smoking hot wife. Our daughters will think they'll only be able to get a good spouse if they look a certain way. So moving forward, I think the big overarching idea is we just have to be careful about what we say and the ideas we present to the the kid, our kids, the kids that we lead, the kids that we have influence in, so that they don't have these same issues that we're talking about today. Yeah, it's the same thing. You know, any parent out there, you can understand that if you continue to validate certain things in your kids' lives, that's the thing that they're going to care about. So if I continue to say, like, if my if uh, if my kids when they were younger, if they were like awkward in public, and I, and I would say, oh, this is you know so and so, he's kind of shy. If I say that over and over and over again, they're going to grow up and they're going to go, oh, I don't really want to meet people because I'm shy. And the same is true as like, if we continue right. to say the things that we value in a committed relationship, is their physical appearance or anything else like that? Then as our kids grow up, that's what they're going to think is a value. That's the type of uh, thing that they're going to look for. So. I think that's number one, important. Number two, you already hit on it a little, you know, you talked about time and place. And I think that's super important. You know, I want to shout this out real quick, just to make sure that I'm, I'm giving credit, but Bronwyn Leah, uh, Mary DeMuth and uh, Suzanne uh, Hadley Goslin. So these are three bloggers that I've, I've taken some perspective from as well. And one of them talks about like the question we should be asking is not, should I say my wife is smoking hot? The question is to whom should I say it? Because as we talked about with the good, like Song of Solomon is an entire book that talks about what affirmation, sexual intimacy, you know, this flirtation thing that goes on um, that's that's honored by God and what it can look like in a relationship. But the context of a Song of Solomon, which is so many people will look back and will go like, oh, see, they were talking about things being smoking hot and, you know, goats and breasts and things like that. It's like with goats. Sorry, that was kind of weird. <laughs> out of context. I'm sure that's weird. Uh, but the context, <laughs> the context was between the two people involved, right? And so it's talking to your lover, talking to your spouse back and forth. So tell your dudes, tell your wife she's smoking hot. You don't need to do it from stage during a sermon, and you don't need to post a picture of the two of you 
um, you know, your Easter photo or whatever else and saying, you know, uh, he is risen. Thankful for Praise my smoking. Jesus. He's Praise. alive. Praise Jesus for my smoking hot wife. You know, or I love my little family, especially my smoking hot wife. He is risen and smoking hot wife in the same right? sentence. I'm thinking something else is rising. Awkward. You know, it's like he, he's coming again. Like you don't want to put those things together with smoking <laughs> hot wife. Is this one going to need the explicit tag? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's it's biblical. It's it's in the it's in the Bible. Anyway, but yeah. Time. I love what you said. Time and place, you know, or as the blogger put it, not should I say it, but to whom should I say it? Tell her. Find out. And actually, here's the other thing, guys. Maybe you need to hear this. Ask your wife what she wants. Whoa. Wait, are you telling me women can have opinions? (laughs) Yes, Jonathan. Yes. So that would be number one. If you're not even doing like, ask your wife, hey, um, do you do you like it when I say these things about you in public? Hey, how or even better, how can I express how I feel about you and how I appreciate you? Number one, and how can how can I affirm um, how physically attractive you are to me? What's what's the what's the best way for me to do that? Sometimes it's text messages. Sometimes it's just a conversation. Sometimes it's a look. It's a wink. It's a pat. It's a you know whatever. Like, but I'm guessing nine times out of 10, it's not tell everybody in the sanctuary, including my grandparents, how smoking hot you think I am. Also, how about we start talking about other positive attributes of a female other than the way she looks? Right. Or, or hear me out. Other than the things she can do to bring us pleasure. Meaning it doesn't have to be that she just is a great singer or that she's this or that she makes me happy or she makes me laugh. What are the positive attributes we can say about the women in our life or the girls in our lives that are just part of their character? Mm -hmm. How can we begin to celebrate the humanness of the the women in our life or the guys in our life? That too, the, the people in our life. How do we stop objectifying? And talking about only the things that bring us pleasure or make us happy and instead compliment people off of who they are, not what they can do. As we think about moving forward, I, I think about it all the time with my kids of the things that I want to thank them for or to call out in them. It's not just, hey, thank you for doing that thing I asked you to do. It's, hey, I was really proud of how you went up and cared for your friend right there. I thought mm-hmm. that that was, that was a real big thing. One of our things that our church does, one of the things they teach kids every week, it's one of the values of our church, but they've put it in kids' language, is love, loving others the way Jesus loves me. So that has been a really big thing in our house. And so anytime I see them loving their friends the way Jesus loves them, I call that out. Because that that brings no that does nothing for me. I'm not the one that's benefiting from that. I'm calling out character attributes of who they are becoming and how Mm -hmm. they are modeling who Jesus is, as opposed to saying, Hey, thanks for getting that cup for me. I didn't want to get off the couch. I really appreciate that. And I should say, thank you for that too. But as you talk about the amount of things that we talk about, 
we should be calling out those positive attributes that reflect Jesus more so than the objectifying things that people can do for us. Yeah. And to, to add on to that point, it would be find things that are within their control, right? So kindness, you can control how kind you're going to be to somebody else. You can control how generous you're going to be, how loving you're going to be, how patient you're going to be, you know, go through the whole fruits of the spirit if you want. But like the things like um, your attractiveness, right? Or uh, like this is uh, this is what always gets me when I would do funerals or when I'd read obituaries and stuff like that, where it's like uh, she was a she was a great baker, uh, excellent cook, and you know, uh, and uh, and a and a competent gardener. And you're like, what? Those are those are terrible things to like. That's what that's you the said three about. things you want to tell the world when someone's that's what not you just here remember anymore. Remember to somebody, yeah. And so I mean, you know, things like even when you say, okay, she was a great cook. Well. What happens if she loses that ability to do that and she can no longer do those things? Now is her worth somewhat diminished? You say, well, she's, uh, she, you know, my, I love my wife because I love how attractive she is. Well, what happens if she gets into an accident, something happens, or she, you know, becomes less attractive, something that she can't control? How does that, what's that, that makes it seem very conditional. Let's try to, to, um, you know, talk about and affirm the things that aren't necessarily conditional or aren't necessarily outside of the control of the individual. And I would take that one step further and say, sometimes I don't even need to say, I'm proud of you. Something the times I could just affirm somebody and say, you should be really proud of yourself for the, how kind you were to that person. Because that also says, guess what? For my wife, for my, you know, because we're talking about marriage specifically for my wife, I don't need her value to be based on my affirmation of her value. She is intrinsically intrinsically valuable regardless of how I feel about her. And that's the type of thing that I think husbands, we need to do a better job of affirming in, in our wives, in the people in our lives, that they are valuable because they, they have, you know, they're image bearers of God, whatever, you know, like we could go into the preaching, like, but not because it's conditional based on our opinion on our feelings, on, uh, on our own affirmations. Let's lift up the people in our lives. And here's the thing. Those are the type of things that we should be saying publicly mm. in front of others, in front of our kids. Those are the things that our kids need to see us tell our wife, or right. they need to see us tell their sibling or our friends or whoever we're around. They need to see us compliment those things and to bring those things because then they will see that's what we value. Mm -hmm. What we talk about, just like you said at the beginning of the show, this is where we'll close. What we talk about is what we value. Yep. And so if we're talking about training up the next generation to be healthier than we were, then we have to start talking about the things that actually matter and not the superficial objectifying things like our smoking hot wife. Mm -hmm. So that's it for this week. Uh, Eric, do you know where we're going next week? Do you remember uh, where the schedule's taking us? I do. I remember, but I want to make sure that you know. So why don't you tell people? That's a great cover because you don't actually remember, do you? <laughs> no, of course not. I'm like a goldfish. I forget things like three seconds after. <laughs> next week, we're talking about church camp because it's summertime. And we're going to talk about the good and the bad of church camp, what that set up and what that taught us and made us think about things as we became adults and how we can better approach um, 
church camp and the idea of setting aside specific time to spend with God. If you want that one or any of the other shows, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Rate us, review us, share it with a friend if you liked it. If you want to continue the conversation online, I am at Jonathan underscore Caron on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Eric is at Eric W712 on all three platforms as well. If you have a story for us for the beginning of the show, you can record a voice memo and send that to hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com. That's it for this week. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week.